Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journey of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. Okay, so Dave, um, a few weeks ago we talked about how you were changing the in-app purchases within one of your apps um, and how you sort of changed that being presented to the user. Um, yep. How's, how's that going? So far, so good. Um, I'm just clicking through uh, Fabric now. Um, so, so far, what are we at now? It's 20 past 10 on a Sunday morning. So compared to this time last Sunday, my daily active users are already up 127%. So week on week, it's doing really, really well. Um, yeah. Daily new users, which is the one I'm most interested in, they're up 350% um, based on this wow. time last Sunday, which is cool. Um, I was really worried that people weren't maybe going to purchase the app um, it's free to download, but you can sort of unlock all the premium features. Because, as I mentioned last time, part of a big part of the update was to make make the app easier to get by with if you don't purchase. Um, like I said before, that I, I think I got the payment the paywall pretty much entirely wrong in that I was putting a lot of people off uh, before they'd even had a chance to get into the app purely because they couldn't do a lot with it unless they paid. So I, I've tried to open it up. Um, it seems that people are buying it more than they were before, which is kind of weird. Um, probably not weird when you think about it. Um, which is really encouraging because I've only had, what are we on now? The 26th. I've had 22 days of it being, um, of the update being out and yeah, purchases are up. Um, which is, which is awesome, which has kind of got me thinking, what more can I do? Um, now I've kind of uh, got this far with it. So I'm thinking that I want to change the way I present the sales pitch for the in-app purchase. Because at the moment, if you hit an area of the app where you need to unlock to access that part of the app, I kind of throw up a, a modal view. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about modal views. I find them a little bit almost intrusive. Um, yeah, it's quite disruptive. Especially in, in the context of an in-app purchase as well. When you think you're going to get something and it's like, nope, and you get a modal fly up in front of you, it's, I always feel a bit like, oh, damn it, whenever I see one of those. So I'd like yeah. to try and do something to change that. Um, so what I'm thinking of doing is allowing the user to see what it is they will be unlocking, but almost um, overlaying um, like a semi-transparent darkened UI view over it. Yep. Um, so I can overlay some text on top of that to kind of pitch the pitch the option to upgrade. But crucially, the user can kind of almost, almost see what they're going to be upgrading to before they've upgraded. Because at the moment, I, I've uh, I've got kind of what I would, I'm not very happy with the sales pitch, with the wording especially, but um, there's a couple of screenshots thrown in there and then just a buy button. So I, I don't think I'm doing enough really to convince people that it's, it's worth their while. Yeah, it's a little bit of a blind leap. Um, well, not quite, but a little bit of a leap for them compared to sort of what you're describing, you're thinking of changing it to. 
um, I guess if you if you kind of move that way, it's going to be a little bit more um, quite literally transparent to them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I kind of I've kind of half gone down this road. Um, just to briefly explain, um, it's a the app is a remote control for Cody, so you can see all of the movies in your Cody library for free and play them. That's fine. You can do that out of the box. Then there is TV shows and music. Now those two are considered premium areas of the app. Um, so the TV shows, you could pick your show, pick your season, pick your episode, bang, play it. Um, yeah. Music, likewise, artist, album, song, play. Then you've got kind of different options for queuing, playlisting, things like that. I also used to have the gesture pad, which was considered a premium area. Um, so that would allow you to kind of swipe up, down, left, right on the phone screen, um, tap to select, double tap to back up to control the on-screen interface of Cody, yep. which is kind of cool if you've got a load of people around um, and you want to choose a movie. So you, you could use the on-screen interface as opposed to just you seeing it on your phone. Um, that was entirely blocked off. So I've, I've opened that up now, but there's also some kind of uh, now playing controls, like play, pause, skip forward 30 seconds, skip back 30 seconds. So I've kind of locked those down within the gesture pad um, by overlaying like a semi-transparent UI view over them. So you can still see them. You can see that they're there and you yeah. can see um, what it is you'll be unlocking if, if you do choose to unlock. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of users go through that route to unlock. If you do unlock, you get all the other stuff anyway. Yeah. So no matter whether you unlock on the TV shows, the music or that part of the gesture pad, you get all the stuff regardless but i'm seeing a lot of people flowing through that that route so that kind of encourages me to take a similar approach with with the other two and drop the modal views that overlay everything um and and try and let the user get a sense of what it is they're unlocking so that's currently in development awesome. um, so w- watch this space hopefully we'll get another up- update out soon i think the only other thing i'm interested to know about um would be are you, are you thinking about changing the app store presentation at all um i've recently had a bit of a revamp with that um i bought i think in fact i think you may have recommended it um what was that app called shopbot yep so i bought that um and in between it crashing about four times a minute i managed to get some uh, <laughs> Sorry I, managed, I managed to get some screenshots out of it um which is cool um so screenshot wise i'm pretty happy with where things are at the moment um i've gone for the approach where you show a screenshot of um, the app on a background and then you can um overlay some text to explain what the screenshot is um i think that's kind of against app store policy but everyone seems to do it and i don't think it's policed at all (laughs) so i thought i'd get in on that the only thing i don't have is a video which i'm kind of interested in looking at yeah that that seems like a sort of logical next step yeah um with my screenshots i've kind of had to make fake movie titles and tv shows um because obviously i wouldn't have the rights to use actual movie posters yeah um on the screenshots so I've kind of I spent a couple of days photoshopping all of these super fake um, movie posters, TV show posters, album covers, um, and overlaid them on my screenshots um, and, and replaced replaced the uh, actual stuff with it. Um, yeah. 
So if I were to go for a video, I'm not sure how I would approach that. Whether I would have the video as just almost a video, a, a recording of the screen. Yeah. Of, of, you know, just sort of clicking around the app. Um, what I'd really like to do is have a video that maybe showed the app in more of a lifestyle setting. Yep. So maybe if you could see someone sort of stretched out on the sofa, um, phone in the hand, and then you could see the TV in the in the distance. Um, that that would be quite cool. But that's that's more of a that's a bit more of a video production task that I I literally know nothing about. So yeah, that, <laughs> um, that sort of brings in the need to have somebody come in and kind of shoot it for you, or to sort of get a lot more equipment set up. Yeah, I mean, I've got an SLR camera and a tripod, so I could maybe knock something up, but I think it would end up looking quite homemade, which yeah. I, I really wouldn't want to go down that road. Um, I've got some friends that are into that kind of scene, so I might might uh, see if I can get some advice on that. It's always worth reaching out to people that are doing that sort of thing day in, day out. Um, I had a friend who helped me when I launched Go VJ. Um, he works as a motion video um, kind of guy. He does lots in After Effects and that sort of thing. Um, and he helped helped me knock up a advert for Go VJ, a sort of kind of demo trailer video. Um, and it was really, really worth it when I launched the app. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth reaching out. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to definitely. That's kind of on my list. Um, one one of the things to explore once I get this uh, next update out. Um, presuming it goes well, I think I think the app is in a pretty good place then to maybe sit for a month or six weeks while I focus on the marketing of it a bit more rather yeah. than the development. Um, yeah, that, because that's definitely, that's definitely going to be a thing I look at. I mean, you've got your you're now sort of optimizing your in-app purchase funnel within the app when you think you've got that to a point where it's probably as tweaked as it can get, your logical next sort of situation to look at is how people are reaching the app in the first place. Yeah. Um, So yeah, definitely that's the next part of your overall funnel of sort of people coming all the way in, all the way through then to sort of making that purchase is the next bit of the funnel to optimize. Yeah. I'd like to give the website a bit of love as well because it's, uh, it's been a little it's been a, a short while a long while since i uh put it together it's i'm already on version two of the website i remember um i, I just finished the app and then I, I don't know how i got to this stage but i was like damn it i need a website i've totally overlooked i was so so focused on the app um so i i made this truly awful website um in about a couple of hours <laughs> um because i think you have to provide a, a website url to um apple with an itunes connect yeah um like a support url as well so i was like oh, okay so i quickly made something um was never happy with it so I, I i canned it as soon as i could um and i've replaced it with what i've got now which it does it does a job it's okay um i know i know i could do so much better um I, I think I was just too preoccupied with the the app the app had so much i wanted to do on it that the website had to take a back seat um so it's kind of, it's kind of nice that i can start focusing on other things like, you know, the video we talked about and the website and take a, take a broader view of it. Um, and then hopefully level all the different components up the website, the marketing and the app to a place where I'm happy.
All right, so something we briefly touched on on our first episode was um, balancing a side gig around around family life as a whole. Um, so we thought we'd touch a little bit more on that today. Um, Dave, I don't know if you want to kick us off with perhaps how how things started for you when you first went indie versus how they are today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I first started getting into doing iOS developments, it was completely as a side gig. Um, that was alongside a day job that had absolutely nothing to do with iOS development or this sort of thing at all. Um, my day job was as a um, customer insight analyst, bringing data together and presenting it back to, to sort of senior management. That was quite different to sort of doing app development. Um, so, I mean, what happened was... Obviously, I wanted to to do iOS development as well. Um, I had to find a way of sort of fitting that in around a full-time job. As well as that, I've got two young kids. So it it wasn't easy to just sort of start going, okay, I want to code now. You know, I want to build an app. I want to get something out there into the world. Um, alongside having all these other commitments and demands on my time. And, I mean, how... How I approached that was that when I first started learning to to develop in Objective-C and learning all the APIs and doing all the sort of nuts and bolts of, you know, almost not quite coming from nothing. Obviously, I've had different bits of development experience over the years in my job, Um, but learning how to do it in the fashion for making an iOS app was very, very different. Um, So to fit that in... Um, what I did was I needed to create some time. I needed to create a pocket of time that I could dedicate towards doing iOS development. And I tried it a couple of ways. When I first started, I I tried sort of coding in the evenings after the kids had gone to bed. Um, I don't necessarily like to watch lots and lots of TV, so it sort of took that time up. Um, And I found that 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 wasn't really that productive. It certainly wasn't when I sort of wanted to start um, really getting into new ideas, sort of things that that were quite difficult to learn from the first first time. Um, so I had to switch things around. I tried switching it around to early mornings instead, um, and I found that for me that worked. So so what I was doing was I was getting up maybe an hour and a half or so before I needed to be up. Uh, for my job I was then sitting down with uh, tutorials I used the um, the big nerd ranch book um, and I was teaching myself almost cover to cover with that book for about an hour hour and a half every morning um, I kept up with that for about six weeks sort of front loading uh, my development time at the start of the day then having a bite to eat going to my job um what I tried to make sure was that I wasn't trying to sort of do some at the beginning and some at the end of the day. I was using my evenings then to sort of, you know, just, just chill, find something to watch, you know, kind of not do anything too intense in the evenings. And that kept me sort of basically in balance. Um, kept you and, sane. Yeah, kept me sane. Um, and what it meant was that I was able to sort of make steady incremental pro- progression with what I was working on. 
Um, I mean, when I first started out that first week, it was sort of an element of like, what am I doing to myself? I'm getting up really early. This is a bit stupid. Um, and then about two or three weeks in, uh, I started to look back at the, the sort of test apps that I built with the tutorials um, and, and realize how far through the book I was getting. And I sort of started to see, you know, this has got motion. This is good. And then about, like I say, about five or six weeks out, I was able to kind of go, right, I can start hacking at my own test projects, my own ideas now. I'd sort of built up to a body of knowledge where I could start developing an app from scratch. But the thing that it needed, it needed that incremental approach. It needed some dedicated time to box off. um, And it needed persistence. I couldn't just sort of do an hour at the weekend and expect to do an hour next weekend and kind of make any real progress, which is kind of what I was doing before. Um, so that's how I got started. Um, as things progressed, as I decided that I wanted to put GoVJ out into the world, my video mixing app, um, I had to kind of, again, dedicate time. I, I used that sort of start of the day time to, to focus on the app development for that. Um, but I also sort of used what I call dead time um, to try and enhance what I was up to as well. Um, I would classify that as things like on my commute to my job, I was listening to podcasts that were related to developments that related to um, app development and business. Um, And that was sort of informing ideas that I had around how I was going to market the app and put it out into the world. Um, And I used my lunch breaks to sort of read up on APIs and topics that I might have struggled with in the morning. Um, And I would file away notes, put them into Evernote. Um, I'd file links into Pocket and things like that. Um, And then the next morning I would go back through my notes and that would kind of level me up and get me further along than than where I was. Um, So that's my overall sort of process with how I used to do it when I had full-time commitments. Um, how did you approach it Dave um, I started something you said um, a few moments ago resonated quite strongly with me when you said about um, an hour at the weekend then you get uh, another couple of hours the next weekend um, I started kind of like that um, it, it didn't it didn't end well because it the, the time between sort of downing tools one weekend and then picking it back up the next it was just too long um, yeah i don't know i don't know if you found that just you just felt so disconnected from what you were doing absolutely like I, just- I, i've had like three abortive attempts the year before i sort of knuckled down and, and started doing things an hour a day um to actually pick up ios development and mm. it's really disheartening actually it's sort of like you know two steps forwards three steps back kind of thing I always find I would almost have to use the first half an hour of the hour just to get my head back into it. Yeah. And then before you know it, it's time to stop again. Um, and yeah, that, that approach did, did not work at all. Um, I'm lucky that um, my wife's a teacher, so she has marking and stuff to do in the evenings. So I kind of just, whenever she would mark or plan or, or do whatever it is she needed to do, that was a, that was that was the opportunity for me then to to have yeah. a go at my thing. So I was super lucky in that sense um, that I didn't have someone saying to me, oh, you know, when, when are you going to stop doing your, put your laptop down and come and do this kind of thing because yeah. she also had stuff to do. So that was super fortunate in that sense. Um, 
I, I think it's, it's it's fair to say that um, me and my wife actually have a very similar kind of balance in that effect too. Um, she's always got she had a, a very small business for a little while and has sort of very various different side projects and hobbies on the go and you know that that's kind of quite important that having that ability to to balance as a family and with with your partner as well did, did burnout ever become an issue for you yeah yeah it really did um so i found when i was busy with work and i had had a couple of things happen i, I had a promotion i was put onto a big project um sort of during the course of of that first um 18 months or so sort of out from learning um and that that kind of meant that um my capacity to do things sort of first thing was was diminished as well i needed to be sort of more on the job um and i did i did kind of burn out a little bit i started flipping things back to my evenings again and then kind of grinding my gears on what i was working on um what what worked for me to re- resolve that was a couple of things um at that point, I'd sort of built up a bit of a head of steam in terms of um, my own app development. You know, I was no longer kind of learning things from first principle, and I was kind of sort of getting into the nuts and bolts of making the app work itself. Um, so what I did was I, I, I itemized everything I had to work on with the app, um, and I gave myself permission to sort of work through that list um, a little bit slower, essentially, um, if I needed to take... Um, a morning off as it were sort of stop doing that first thing kind of routine then I did um, and to hit the reset button I actually had a couple of times where I said right I'm taking a week out completely from doing any of my side business you know the only person I'm letting down there is me um, and right now I need the space I need the break um, mm. so I would then focus on work but equally I tried tried to make sure that I was focusing on my downtime as well um, I mean, I say I don't watch a lot of TV, but what tends to happen is I'll, I'll pick a series and really get into it. Um, and, I, you know, I'd sort of take a week out and go and binge watch something. I think it was Breaking Bad I sort of really got into. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, and then come back refreshed a week later. I mean, what tends to happen is I'd, I'd leave it like that. I'd then carve out maybe an afternoon on the Sunday um, and sort of hit the reset button and go back into things. But try and keep the development work on track with a, a development list and a plan for what I'm working on and just to sort of minimize that startup time. Um, and then otherwise, like I say, sort of give myself permission to, to do a bit of self-care as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's important not to underestimate that. Um, um, when you hit that block, when you hit that wall, um, you're not coding very well anyway. You know, I, I was making more bugs or problems than... The, the value of the code that worked. So there really is no point in sort of flailing and trying to persist. You, you really should just take a step back and try and hit that reset button. I don't think I'd really experienced burnout until uh, maybe October last year. Um, I don't, you read about it a lot, don't you? You see it pop up in our kind of circle. There's, you know, maybe a blog w- would appear yeah. um, that someone's written. And I, I never fully understood it until it happened. It got to the point um, where there was um, a lot of stress going on at work and I would come home and have absolutely no desire at all to do any of my own 
my own work just none whatsoever i just yeah. wasn't interested um almost the thought of sitting at a computer again was it's horrible i just said no i can't i can't absolutely can't do it um and like like you said i i I kind of struggled on for maybe a week um forcing myself to try and sit there and do something but like you say it wasn't productive in wasn't productive in the slightest uh, so similar to you i ended up taking a, a week out um gave myself a holiday if you if you want to put it like that um, yeah and that was probably what the best thing i could have done because i came i came back keen again and it only took a week just to have some time away from it and then obviously things had settled down at work as well yeah um, but it's what it's one of those things that i totally wasn't ready for i'd heard so much about it as a developer but it, when when it hit it was like oof, i don't i, I, I to this day I, I think i don't want that to happen again so i try and avoid it at all costs yeah it's very very important um and it does it sneaks up on you um i certainly found that it, it took me um, you know, realizing that my coffee intake had gone up because I was sort of perpetually tired. Um, <laughs> I was kind of being stressy with my family as well, you know, just, just not really getting on as well as I should. Um, I had a, you know, a few times where I was sort of finding situations with awkward co-workers a little more stressful than I think I should. And, you know, these are all the little warning signs and, and now I know what to look for and I, I take that step back um but it does it sneaks up on you the first time and i think it sneaks up on you the second time as well um, it's just something to be to try and be mindful of um like you say it's sort of prevention is is the best thing as well um and it's, it is something that i've been mindful of now um because now i'm sort of fully independent right now uh, i was going to say do you think you'll experience it now that you're fully in control and um your have, thing is your only thing i have done in a sense of there's been times when I've been working contract work that, you know, it's in my control to choose to do it. Um, but that's a commitment. That's something that somebody else is relying on. Um, and, you know, combining that with then moving my own apps forwards and again, the family life and everything else outside of, 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 of this. Um, I have found a few moments where it could have been possible for me to sort of start coding into the evening you know, using every single hour. And I took a very conscious decision not to. Um, it, it was sneaking up, it was coming in, it was going that way. And um, I think sometime in the middle of January, I sort of started to think, well, okay, I need to make sure that I'm taking a bit of time out on the evenings, chilling out. Um, and if that means there's a bit of delay on my own stuff, then that's fine. That's the bit that's got to give. Unfortunately, so that is the way it works. Yeah. Um so I'm, I'm not in a position where my own apps are generating enough income right now for me to say they're higher priority than any contract work. Yeah. Um, so, so what's like a typical, typical day for you? Typical being day indie right now. Right now. Um, well, because I've got. Is my, there a typical day? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do have a kind of flow. I have a kind of general sort of broad blocks of the day that I try and bring together. Um, I got really into sort of reading self-improvement books a while back. And one of those was, um, it's called the miracle morning. It's all about sort of morning ritual. Um, 
and trying to sort of, you know, maximize that first bit of your day. Um, so I try and engage a bit of that. Um, I sort of start to start the morning. I'll do um, some journaling or some light exercise. Um, I meditate. You know, I kind of have the freedom to sort of front load my day with those things now. Okay. Um, so I do. Um, I'll then go on and have breakfast with the kids because I'll get up before everybody still. Um, I quite like being the first person up in the house. Um, just having that sort of quiet part of the day to, to do something. Um, and then if I'm traveling into the co-working space that I use, I tend to travel just after the main rush hour. Um, so I'll travel out the door about nine o'clock to get in into the city center before half nine. We're, we're not that far away. Um, but that misses the sort of general crush. Um, and then I'll I'll get to the co-working space. I'll set up. Um, there's people there that I sort of see. You know, there's regulars, and and that gives me a bit of sort of personal contact during the day as well. In terms of not just being closed off in my back bedroom coding, um, and I won't necessarily be there for the full day. You know, it might only be four or five hours. Um, but I try and stay very focused when I'm down there. Part of the reason of leaving the house and going to, and working from that space is to make sure that I get stuff done. Um, one of the benefits of this way of working is that I don't have... When, when you're in an office, you have a lot of demands on your time that are separate from the work. You know, you have yeah. you have meetings, you have requests, you have all these little, little bits, and your actual carved out time to sort of work on development or anything that you're supposed to be fully focused on it can be quite difficult so now that i'm in this position right now i I try and make sure that i I do things in sort of focus bursts um you know i'll do like an hour then an hour on something get really deep i'll maybe take five minutes to grab a glass of water and then i'll go back and i'll sort of keep at it um sort of with the bonus being that I can sort of finish a little bit earlier on the end of the day and I know that I've got a substantial amount sort of in the can. Um, but that's about it, really. I sort of try and, that's a general... That's a good day. Do you go to the uh, co-working space every day? Nope. Like Monday um, through Friday, or is it...? I, t- I tend to manage maybe two or three days out of the week. Um, the other the other days in the week, I'll either be working... Um, sort of from my my back bedroom my home office um or there's there's a few other things that i've got to sort of put into action at the moment we're um we're trying to clear our house out ahead of a potential move um and i've been dedicating a lot more time to that so i sort of flex flex the home days around what's going on um still try and make sure i get at least a couple of hours in um, on my own apps if I've got contract work then that takes precedence and that takes as much time as it needs um, but yeah it, it, it comes and goes it's the co-working space days that generally follow a format and then the other days tend to be a lot more flexible is your co-working space free? it is it's, it's oh, you're so lucky <laughs> <laughs> um, it's attached to a local university and um it's it's just a brilliant space. We're allowed to use this sort of co-working cafe bit for free. Um, there's offices that you can pay for upstairs there as well. Um, it's been really beneficial to sort of getting started. Huh, that sounds really cool. Um, I definitely recommend having 
a space outside of the house, however you manage it, um, to go and work from. Um, yeah, that's something I just don't have right now. I I can't really see how that's going to change about me sticking my sticking my hand in my pocket essentially. Yeah. Which right now is something I don't want to be doing. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, the biggest change has been in the last uh, three weeks now. I suppose leaving my my jobby job as we as we'll call it. Um, so essentially, now my life has changed quite dramatically in that. Um, since having our first child in August, uh, my wife's gone back to work um, as a teacher. So she has to be at a certain place at a certain time, five days a week, no exceptions. Um, I I don't have that at all, and, and neither would you, I, I, sus- I suspect. Um, essentially, all I need is a, a computer or a laptop, maybe which we'll come to later um, yep. and an internet connection and, I, and I'm good to go. It doesn't really matter. It could be one in the morning for, for all that matters to me. Um, in fact, arguably I work best at that time of day anyway. So we made the decision that I would leave my job and I would take over looking after, um, looking after my son during tra- traditional office hours. Um, we kind of do, do a tag team around six o'clock and, um, once my wife's had time to come in from work and sort of chill out and play play with uh, Charlie, my son, um, which then kind of frees me up after dinner to to now get on with my, my pursuits, which is different to how it used to be. I used to work four days a week and then have Fridays off. And that Friday was, an, well, that was entirely for me. That was, that was my day to work on, on my app stuff. And the reason we, went down that road was to kind of alleviate guilt so that I could enjoy the evenings and the weekends more without feeling like I needed to work through them. Yeah. Um, Because I I struggle with that a lot and I still struggle. I still struggled with it when I had a whole day to work on my projects in the evenings and the weekends. I would still have that nagging feeling in the back of my head. Like, you know, you, you could be, could be working on something now. You might not need to be doing this leisure activity that you've selfishly allowed yourself to do. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, it's quite a feeling to, to battle. I think I, I know that one very well. Um, oh, it's horrible. It's, it's, I, I, I don't think I'll ever shift it. I don't think I ever will. I think I just need to manage it somehow, but it will always be there. It, it can be a blessing and a curse. It's the feeling that sort of gets you off your backside and gets you, you know, working, gets you going. Um, but yeah, like you say, when when you're when you should be making that time for downtime, it's the curse. It's then n- that nagging feeling in the background that's sort of going, mm, "You could have done a bit of this. You could have moved this forwards. Instead, you've just watched three episodes of whatever, or <laughs> yeah. however you spend your downtime." Yeah. Um, and yeah, as we've sort of discussed earlier on, you know, the the other part of the pendulum on that is burnout. You know, the downtime is actually valuable. It is very, very worthwhile. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how um, to sort of make that mental shift. Sometimes I think it's perhaps beneficial almost to sort of schedule your downtime if it's getting like that. You know, you sort of put it on, make it an a- actionable item. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just try and visualize it as being that important. It's as important as any other item on the development list tricking your brain into considering it a job yeah 
Yeah, yeah. that's um, an interesting way of looking at it. You know, do I give myself permission to sort of do a bit of work in these times, provided I've spent like the other three or four nights of the week making sure my downtime's in? You know, is that perhaps a tactic to engage? Um, you, you you may have a point there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, kind of now my my time for developing my apps and uh, pursuing things like that is now essentially onwards from 7pm um, until I until I fall asleep which is <laughs> typically I sometimes push it to sort of the small hours of the morning but then I pay the price the next day when yep. uh, when 7am uh, seven, seven rolls around and you've got a screaming six month old <laughs> who wants to get up and they tend not to go back to sleep I find which is kind of annoying <laughs> once that first cry happens at 7am that's it you're up so yep yeah, I mean, I can maybe push it like that maybe once a week, twice a week, but I, you you pay the price. It's not something I could do regularly, so I try and wrap it all up by 11, 11.30 if I can. Yep. Um, which collectively, if I'm doing that five days a week, if we call it 7 till 11, that's four hours a night times five. That's 20 hours a week. That's more than I was getting in theory yep. um, when I was doing just Fridays. So in that sense, I'm now getting more time, but I feel like I'm getting almost uh, kind of the dregs of the day. Yeah. So I'm starting when I'm starting to feel a bit tired and then I go on until I really am tired. Um, So it's kind of a battle against tiredness a little bit, but um, I think circumstances dictate that this is the way it's got to be for now at least. Um, After six months, we'll kind of address it again and perhaps things will change. Um, more in the direction that I get a day or two back. Um, continual assessment, I think. And you, you mentioned yeah. that in an, another episode. I think you've got to constantly be looking at it. Um, it's, think, it's working It's so. working though for now. Um, you know, with, with any balance, any arrangement of this sort of thing, um, there's too many people involved. Yeah, it's not just you. There's, there's you, there's your wife, there's your child. There's a lot of sort of moving parts, as it were. Um Continual assessment is something you've really got to do, um, mm. you know, and, and having that perspective when you sort of feel like, you know, you say you're getting the dregs of the day right now. Well, that's true, but, you know, your, your child is getting the best bits of the day and that that's probably as it should be right now. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right there. And kind of something I didn't expect, actually, is that since I've been uh, taken over, um, as kind of like full-time carer during the day, which has only been a week as we record now. We kind of had two weeks prior to the week just gone where it was a transition, so it wasn't a total shock for him. That, <laughs> you know, mum goes away and suddenly I'm here staring yeah. at him. Um, so it's, this has been kind of my first full week solo with him. Um, and every single day without fail, he's fallen asleep for two hours in the middle of the day. Right. So that then is another body of time that I can use to... Um, you know, flip the laptop open and, and get stuff done. Yeah. I don't want to rely. I don't want to rely on that because it's it's almost what I would call like a bonus time. If I get yeah. it, that's awesome. But if I don't, I'm not I'm not going to beat myself up about not getting it. Um, that's um, that's a primary candidate, I think, for the sort of use of time that I was describing earlier on from when I was in a full time job. 
Um, and I would use my lunches to sort of read around specific topics that I needed to know about or that I was stuck on. Um, that, that sounds like a primary candidate for that sort of work. Yeah, well, I've been finding it quite useful just to look into new technologies, new things that I'm maybe considering, um, do some quite intense reading on it for an hour or so. Um, and then during the rest of the day, when you know, once he's woken up and we're doing stuff, it's kind of in the back of your mind, isn't it? You kind of mull, mull things over. Um, I don't want to be doing it to the point where I'm distracted from what I'm doing um, with him, but inevitably it, you kind of mull things over. And then in the evening when it becomes time to work, you've kind of done quite a lot of thinking on an issue before you get to work on it. Yep. Um, so that's, that's kind of valuable in that sense. Um, but if he can keep doing the two hours sleep in the day, that's... Um, that's another 10 hours a week potentially, <laughs> <laughs> and then that then takes the total up to 30 hours a week which isn't far off a full-time job exactly. in terms of hours you know i was yep. doing 37 hours a week in my last job and and in a full-time job you know you would still be doing you'd have situations where you would be reading around a topic learning up and doing that sort of thing it wouldn't be all full-time dev you know no, no absolutely not um, absolutely not so yeah I, I kind of feel like my time is more fragmented than it's ever been right now but it's kind of working out um which is which is awesome we're only a week in um so i don't want to don't want to be saying yeah this is definitely working out but right now it it's it's really cool and crucially i get to spend you know most of the day hanging out with my son which is an awesome thing to do in itself um i didn't expect to have the opportunity to do it i don't think many I don't think many fathers do have the opportunity to do it in this way, so I'm super grateful that we're able to do it. I've had this iMac now since... It was the first 5K iMac, so what was that, 2014? Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm just not using it very much at the <gasps> moment. That's the problem. Um, so I've got my iMac and I've got a seven-year-old MacBook Pro, and I'm spending the majority of my computing time um now on the laptop right um essentially because i i find it easier to i find it hard to sort of come away from life as it is right now um yeah if if my wife and child are downstairs doing stuff I i feel bad just disappearing for big chunks of time to go and sit at a desktop computer and you know do two hours worth of work it's difficult to remove myself yeah for that amount of time but there are pockets of time even if they come in the forms of 20 minutes here and there where i could get something done so i find it a lot easier now just to flip open a laptop on the breakfast bar and perch and just get a few bits done and then if i'm needed or if i want to get involved or if you know whatever i can just shut the lid and i'm there yeah um i know you've been looking at macbook pros as well a little bit, i have yeah um, um which has probably found the flames for me looking at them as well if i'm totally <laughs> honest but um i mean in your situation your seven-year-old macbook pro is probably not going to get through the next mac os update no it was, it was at the, it was at the bottom of the pile i think for this one so i've, I've got to sierra yep um and that's i think that's as far as i'm going to get with it yeah so so the next mac os update the next xcode update the next big ones um you're going to be in a situation where you're probably not going to be able to use the latest stuff yes <laughs> uh, not to 
sort of further twist your arm there in terms of looking at a, a MacBook Pro. But um, yeah, it's a hard one to call. I've, I've got um, a 13-inch MacBook Pro and I've got a, a an HD monitor that I can plug it into, which I don't because the resolution on the 13-inch is so much nicer. Um, and I, I just sort of end up kind of cursing out the old screen. Um, when I use it. Sometimes it's more practical to have that sort of slightly bigger screen. Um, But yeah, so I find myself perpetually kind of wondering, okay, do I get a desktop? Do I get an iMac? Do I get a 15-inch MacBook Pro? What is the right sort of balance? Um, With me using the co-working space um, and other ways that I kind of use my my laptop, um, I don't think I want a desktop computer. Um, as much as I'd love an iMac, um, I think actually the reality is is that if I got an iMac, I would be using it for those um, two or three days where I'm not in the co-working space. And even then, I'm quite flexible. I'm very similar to yourself. I'll take the laptop downstairs and work at the kitchen table sometimes, um, and I'd lose that. So what would end up happening is, is I would be, I'd still be on my 13-inch MacBook Pro if I didn't sell it on. Um, so I'm very much considering looking at the, the new 15-inch MacBook Pros, and I'm wondering whether there's a way I can sort of make things work in terms of repayments, um, selling on the laptop I've got, and, and everything else. Um, and actually, I, I kind of want to have a machine that I know is going to last me for the next three or four years, um, with my machine now being already sort of three and a half years old, that's not the case. I, I will get very similar to yourself. It will probably go up to maybe six, seven years worth of lifetime before I can no longer run the latest stuff. Um, and before I reach that point, I will probably end up reaching the limitations of the, the hardware itself. I mean, it's I've got eight gig at the moment and I do feel like you know, I'll benefit from having better processing power um, and having that extra RAM, I mean, you can always benefit from having more. Um, but I think I'd really see the difference. And I also think sort of future Dave in 18 months time um, will be looking at upgrading this laptop one way or the other anyway. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a really hard decision at the moment because of the financials more than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially with our situation here at the moment, um, with a new child and yeah, um, yeah, the recent changes with working arrangements. I now isn't the time to splash out over two thousand pounds on a on a new laptop. Yep. Um, however, if the iMac were to be sold, that could open doors potentially. Yep. Um, I was looking on eBay the other night, foolishly. Um, <laughs> and it seems that one of my the spec that I have, they're still going for in between 1500 and £2,000. Right. I mean, there are some people that had one exactly spec like mine. They were trying to sell it for 2200 but I think they were just being hopeful with a buy yep. it now price. What they would actually get, I think, would be a lot lower than that. Um, I have specced it further since I bought it as well. I upgraded the RAM to 32 gig. Right. So potentially there's a bit of, bit of added value there as well. Um, I don't know if I'd regret it though. After, after I did it, that, that'd be my biggest worry. 
Yeah. Um, I think maybe I need to let things settle for give it a couple of months and see where things are. Uh, I don't know whether I'd be, this would be more of a knee jerk reaction for me right now, given that I'm finding myself on the laptop a bit more in the evenings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically the new MacBooks are really pretty and I want one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think um, I can appreciate that feeling too. Um, I've got my doubts, you know, in terms of like, I'm not sure the touch bar really is a motivator. Um, and you know, USB C I'm going to need converters for some of my kit. That's great. Uh, not so mm. much. Yeah. Um, but I think the real draw for me is getting off the 13 inch screen and having something with a bit more real estate. Um, yeah. 15 inch would be fantastic for you there, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd really notice it when I'm in the co-working space as well. Um, I, I don't know whether I would feel hemmed in even on a 15 inch. Yeah. Of, of not just in the sense that I'd be coming from a 27 inch iMac, um, more in the sense that the 15 inch MacBook Pro I have now, I opted for the they they did a high res option yeah. when I bought mine. So what, what what's the standard res? It was uh, 1440 by something, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the panel I got was 1680 by 1050. Yeah. So I've actually got quite a lot of real estate on that screen. It's just the pixels are small. I think actually you'd, you'd still get that resolution kind of virtualized. I could scale it, couldn't I? Yeah, and if, then the high really DPI stuff kicks in a bit as well. You'd still have an element of that. Um, sorry, I don't know much straight off the top of my head as to how that would configure. Um, but I'm, I mean, on my 13-inch MacBook Pro, I've got it running scaled. Um, at It looks like 1680 by 1050. Oh, okay. Um, and, I, and I get quite a good use out of that. So I think on a, a new 15-inch, you would get the next level up. You'd get, like, it would be scaled to HD resolution. It's only interface builder. Yep. Um, it's always interface builder for these decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it's only that that I think, oh, I wish I had more. Even on a 27-inch, I, yep. I wish I had more room. <laughs> just to, So that's an example there that perhaps you're always going to want more room. Um, I think so, yeah. I think so. So I think I, I can. I could probably make do. Um, again, thinking further down the road, um, another part of my plan now I've um, left my regular job is that I want to be um, offering website design development services, um, similar to your contract work, I suppose. Um, in that you've kind of got your apps as one part of your income, and then contract work as another. I'm, I'm trying to take a very similar model. Yeah, and that might involve me getting um, a small a small office. Maybe if we look twelve months down the road, um, I certainly wouldn't want to be on an iMac. Then um, no. I, I would much. I would definitely want to take the model that I had a laptop and perhaps a screen at home that I plug into and a screen at the office or co working space, whatever it may be that I yeah. go to every day. Um, I think at that point it would be important for me to get out of the house and have somewhere to go. And that's just kind of like a longer term goal in any case. But I think if I was doing a lot of sort of contracting work, um, I, I, I would need to need to have somewhere I could go away from the home to yep. really kind of crack the whip. So that that would be, I, w- I would like to see an Apple monitor by then, but I don't think we're going to. I don't think that's going to happen. 
uh, the way things have gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're probably out of the display business, aren't they, really? For the moment, yeah. Um, And, you know, you want an Apple display, it's an iMac. Um, Yeah. But I think, I mean, obviously I've looked at um, at getting an iMac, and as I say, I've ruled it out for the reasons that um, I sort of described earlier on, but... Again, there's that factor. If you were running more than one machine as your general work machine, you've got to transport documents between the two. You know, if you had your laptop for leaving the house with and you come and work from your home office on your iMac or you've got an an office that you're paying for in a year's time and there's an iMac there, you're still going to be working at home from time to time. So you end up against, okay, how do I share files efficiently between the two environments? Um, something that I've done in the past. Um, I used to have um, a MacBook Air that I sort of worked on, and um, I had a, a Mac Mini as my sort of desktop computer. Um, I think the reality for me is that I just don't work that way. You know, I prefer having one machine and good backups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel very much the same way. There, there's something very comforting about being able to shut the lid on a laptop and take everything with you yeah and regardless of where you are geographically you open that lid and there's consistency yep which i think is yeah that that's quite a big thing for me it's been fine going to the imac um until now because i only use the imac so no you know it's essentially the same thing yeah um yeah i i think i think within the next 12 months there there might be a new macbook one way or another (laughs) (laughs) um Again, financing might might be an option, um, just to kind of help with the cash flow because it's a lot. There, there are a lot of money just to yeah. just to have drop out of your bank account in one go. Um, typically, I don't like financing, but I think when you're dealing with something, the value of a MacBook, the cost of the finance overall isn't going to be huge over three years anyway. Relatively, no. Relatively, so I might entertain it on that basis yeah i mean that's the way i'm looking at things is it going to be worth it in terms of i've got an apportioned cost um and then that's a known quantity you know um it's just whether or not i think that's the right thing to do for sort of a a 36 month repayment or 24 um you know certainly wouldn't be wanting to have it um any less than that because i'll need the payments down and i think yeah, we've talked on this for a bit now for a while, but I think this is something that a lot of people agonise with. You know, you want the kit, you want to be able to have the right machine for the for the job, but they aren't cheap. And if you're if you're sort of working things as a side business, um, or things are still growing, I think it can be quite difficult to fully justify that outlay. You know, what I mean, very much so. Very much the, so. The um, co-working space I go to, I see a lot of people on uh, MacBook Airs. You know, I see people on the cheapest machine they can get to just sort of get going. Um, and, you know, that's fair enough. It's possible to work that way. It's possible to, to you know, just get the basics to do what you've got to do. Um, the grind I'm really feeling at the moment, though, is that because I've been using things more full-time, um, is that I'm sort of seeing the limitations of my machine more regularly. Uh, compile times, disk space, things like that. Um and, you know, I, I know that I'll appreciate the, the, the upgrade. Um, that sort of makes it a, a nagging feeling that's not going to go away. 
One thing that does bug me slightly about the thought of moving to one of the new MacBook Pros is that I looked at the Geekbench uh, scores that they were getting versus what my now over two-year-old iMac's getting. Yeah. And the iMac still just holds its own over the MacBook. Um, yeah. Certainly in single-threaded application anyway. So would it be a downgrade almost? I don't know. It certainly wouldn't be an upgrade. I'm used to when I get a new machine, I always get an upgrade in performance, and I don't yeah. think I would. I don't think I would get that. It's potentially just going to maintain what you're used to. Um, yeah, it, it would be more maintaining and just changing form factor again. Yeah, but if you're three months down the road and you've been using your seven-year-old MacBook all the time, then it's an improvement over that over a machine that <laughs> yeah. sat upstairs doing nothing. Um, so I, I guess it's it's for you to weigh up and figure out, mate. well watch your space alright so that just about wraps up this episode Uh, before we go Dave where can people find you on the internet Um, you can find me at davewood.uk you can find me at underscore Dave Not on Twitter Um, my two apps uh, you can find armchair remote.com that's my remote control for Cody and my latest project space readers um, is an app to help kids learn to read that's at spacereaders.com <laughs>